Hear the word of the Lord from Acts 16, verses 16 through 34. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrate stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. This is the word of the Lord. That is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. This morning, you and I have an opportunity to look at this story, which has been used for a number of different reasons, not only uh, here at Sunnybrook, but uh, at the place where I used to teach the Bible to people. Uh, This is one of those texts that just comes up over and over and over again for a lot of reasons. First of all, Acts chapter 16 begins because the Apostle Paul in his missionary endeavor is planning to go into a direction or in a direction and Jesus cuts him off. Nope, not that direction. And Paul sees a call. It's the the story of of the Macedonian man who calls out to him, come over here. And the Lord redirects the Apostle Paul's efforts because there are people in the city of Philippi who need Jesus. And Paul is going to be the one to bring Jesus to them. And so it's a missionary text. It's it's also a text in which we actually get to see the power of a conversion experience. You see this, this woman who deeply desires to know God, but doesn't know what she should know about God. And Paul meets her, Lydia, and he begins to speak the truth to her. And then this wonderful verse, which I think makes all of us uncomfortable. And then the Lord opened up her heart to receive these things. And we have a conversion. 
It also is a text that describes disruption, not just interruption, disruption. And I think it's good for us, maybe in times that we live in right now, for us to recognize that as ministers of the gospel, that when we come to preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ and peace to all, it doesn't bring peace to all. For those who are far from God and receive this invitation and take it, it brings them peace with God. This peace that they now find with God changes the way they look at the world and changes the way that they behave in the world. And the world doesn't like that. And so this text is great for disruption. The change that happens beginning with Lydia and with the release of this um, this, this, this young slave girl from her slave owners and from the possession that she had over her. You look at this text and what we actually find is that made everyone around them uncomfortable. It began to change the gospel of Jesus Christ. As people put their hope and faith in Jesus Christ, it fundamentally changed the social and economic fabric in Philippi. And some people don't like change. And a riot starts. And the Apostle Paul and Silas are now mistreated for bringing the gospel to a place. They are the ones charged with disruption. And then we find them in prison. This text is also used at the very end when the Philippian jailer runs in after the earthquake and, and, and he says to them, what must I do to be saved? This text is really, really popular. I know that in my own upbringing, it is used to describe about how um, immediately he and his family were baptized, and it becomes a great text about baptism. But where I want to go is this rather interesting and powerful comment that, that Luke decides to really draw attention to. It's found in verse 25. He actually says that about at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Have you ever had singing lessons? Um, you, you've probably actually taken piano lessons. I get a lot of, I've taken piano lessons. Steve, have you ever had piano lessons? Steve's had piano lessons. It's interesting that piano lessons or instrument type lessons, a lot of people have had those. But Probably very few of us have really had singing lessons. Um, well, not formally anyway. And so this morning, what I would like for us to do is to learn how to sing in the middle of the interruption, recognizing that we are now living life together. How important is it that you and I learn to sing number of weeks ago, I guess right around the time that we were starting these in-person services together, I remember just listening to one of the messages that was being preached by one of my fellow ministers in Christ. Everything was really heavy. And I just thought, oh, we need songs that, that bring us joy. It's good for us to, to, to stop and to reflect and have heavy thoughts. And then sometimes, hey, can we just sing a song? And so this morning, what I was, want us to do is to, to kind of look at, at Scripture in general, learning from this interruption here, in the, even in this, this interruption in the story, in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas, their ministry is interrupted. 
Paul and Silas find their lives now in difficult circumstances. And what do they do in that moment of looking at the brokenness around them? They, they don't just take the time to. They don't just automatically, naturally. It, it seems like that what they're doing is they are following God. They are following um, the call of Jesus Christ on their lives. And as they're just in their circumstances, they decide to do, I guess, what they've been doing. And, and they sing. Now, first of all, I think it's important. I want to teach you a couple of different songs. Can I teach you a couple of different songs? First of all, the kind of the song that we usually think about at church are songs of praise. Isn't God good and isn't God great? Those songs of praise. Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. I, I'm not going to sing it for you, but I, I guess I could try. I guess I don't know. There, there's not notes for this. We read these, but many of these psalms were sung. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Steve taught me that song earlier. He wrote it. No. Right, Steve? No. But... That's a song of praise, and it talks about how good God is and how great God is and the glory that is due his name. And that's usually what we think about when we think of songs in the Bible. But those aren't the only songs. As you know, there are also songs of distress, songs of, of, of deep brokenness and, and even fear. Psalm chapter 142, verse 1 through 4. I'm going to stop singing. I'll save you that. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord of mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. Now that's a song. And, and, and I think it's even good for us to realize like, the times in which we live where we continue to see problems and struggles and difficulties or we ourselves are experiencing problems or troubles or difficulties. I've had a number of conversations lately with people who are scared and who are angry, who are, who are dealing with emotions. And it, for them, it, it's not something that they're actually seeing on the news, but it is something that is happening to them or it is reminding them of an injustice that they themselves have experienced. And it's during those moments, I guess I don't know if there was a tune, but it sounded like a song as they began to talk about their complaint or their trouble, their difficulty that they had finding a place of refuge, the the overwhelming sense, I don't know if anyone knows the pain that I'm going through. Nobody knows the trouble that I've seen. And these are songs of distress. There's also what are known as songs of lament. And, and I know that the idea of lamenting can just be like feeling like really, really bad, but it's more than that. The, the, the lament psalms really kind of drive towards God in a, in a way in which there is a a contrition, a, a, an attitude of repentance or of brokenness. Those are songs we don't know very well. We struggle with confessing our sins. Can you imagine singing the confession of our sins? I, I think we know what it's like to just go before God and say, God, I'm really, really sorry for 
and we usually use generic terms, for all those bad things that I kind of maybe have done. But this is different. This is a song of lament. I want to go. You know the book. I was actually in a conversation the other night with a number of believers, and we were talking about the value for us as a church. Let's get specific. As a church to lament over our own silence when injustice is happening. Our confusion or our reluctance to speak. And when we asked the question, wouldn't it be good for us to come together and lament? And then there was this time in our conversation where there was an honest confession. I don't even know if I know how to do this. I don't know if I've ever really done this. I, I think this kind of singing is something that is woefully um, missing, lacking. Um, but let's keep it personal still here at Sunnybrook to recognize that The words, the song in Isaiah chapter 6, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. I mean, I think it's good for us to realize that so much of the Old Testament is this prophetic, but also poetic cry out to God. And so much of it is a realization of our own involvement in the brokenness of the world. I mean, I, I actually, I really do get concerned that even when I hear most Christians talk about like confessing our brokenness, I, I just get concerned that when I do it, I'll just th- throw myself here. As I do it, I wonder if I'm thinking more about everybody else, but not me. God, forgive me, a man of unclean lips. I mean, not as unclean as his or hers. But God, will you please help me, a man of, 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 of silence, but I'm not as silent as he is or as she is. But a true lament, actually, is us coming before God, and, and we need to learn how to do this well because there is peace and joy and just forgiveness when we learn how to, to lament not just our own sins and not just the sins of our culture or our society or even of our church. But when you and I come together and recognize that there is this interaction that I have with others and I'm going to own my own brokenness and I'm not just going to to pass it on to others. I'm going to own how my unclean lips have contributed to the brokenness that is here, how my silence has contributed to the brokenness in my society when I do not speak up, when I know that something is wrong. And this is what Jeremiah does in Lamentations. Lament, Lamentations. They are weeping over the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's not just a cry of distress. It is a cry of God's righteous judgment being poured out. That is so difficult for us. We, we want to talk about the justice of God. But then the justice of God brings the judgment of God. And in the middle of that judgment of God, we need to stop and say, This is hard. I think we deserve this. For we are truly broken people. And we are people who actually break other people. Lamentations chapter 1 verse 18. The Lord is just, for I have rebelled against his command. Listen, all my people. Look at my pain My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. 
Now notice this lament is not just, oh, and, and, and those people that came and, and hurt us and, and, and broke down our walls and tore down our temple, they're terrible people. No, they recognize that these are, are people that came, the King Nebuchadnezzar came because God allowed him, that God sent him. Why? Because God is the one who gives the kingdoms of earth to those he chooses. And Nebuchadnezzar is God's instrument of judgment against the people. And instead of just complaining about it, instead of just misdirecting or redirecting the guilt, the culpability, what we actually see is Jeremiah the prophet lamenting over his own sin. We need to learn to lament. We need to sing those songs of lament. And then lastly, this might surprise you. I mean, over the last little while, as we try to teach how the Bible should be interpreted, I know a number of times we've talked about these, but I want to talk now about songs of retribution, that during disruption and interruption, during those times in which we're looking around at a world that seems to just be, at this moment, just kind of splintering off into different groups, um, and, and then we can really begin to look at, I was at an opportunity this week to just see people just venting their pain. Songs of retribution, the, the, kind of the technical term are imprecatory psalms, where, where someone doesn't confess their own sin, but sings, um, prays. I think singing and praying are very similar. These songs that we sing, these, these prayers that we offer up, are for God's judgment to come upon our enemies or upon the injustice that exists. Psalm chapter 69, verse 24, maybe not one of the most famous, but it's one that's actually pretty powerful. Can you imagine singing this on Sunday? Pour out your rage on them and let your burning anger overtake them. Make their fortification, like the place where they feel safe, desolate, and may no one live in their tents. Can you imagine singing that? I, I think we feel uncomfortable with songs of retribution. I really think, though, it's good for us. This is why the book of Revelation always has a real interest for me, because in the book of Revelation, the people sing songs to God for their deliverance and also for the judgment on their enemies, and then God responds with judgment. One of the reasons why I think the book of Revelation is so difficult is not just because the images are too difficult or powerful for us, but just even the concept of that. Um, I, I, I wrote a song. I borrowed the, the, the tune, but when I would teach the book of Revelation, and we're in Revelation chapter 8, where the prayers are going up and then the judgments of God come down, I literally thought maybe that's how we should teach our kids to sing. The prayers go up and the judgments of God come down upon bad people. Our prayers go up and the judgments of God are poured out upon those wicked and those who refuse to repent and believe. That's at the end of chapter 9. Do we teach our kids to sing those songs? No, most of those songs just would be, well, it's too hard for kids to be able to process all of this. And so most of our songs, actually, if we're going to be honest in the church, most of our songs don't really line up with life. And, and yet, maybe that's why it's good for us to look at the scriptures and to say, I need a singing lesson. I need a singing lesson. 
But maybe uh, that we look back that there are these songs that we might see, you know, songs of praise or songs of distress, songs of lament and songs of retribution. And by the way, the wisdom comes in knowing when to sing which song. And, And so maybe the kind of singing that we need to walk through are singing lessons that have more to do with our head and our heart. Do you, when, when a few months ago in, in, in March, when we had an opportunity to be, all of us, in our homes and worshiping together, one of the constant things I heard people say was, it really is kind of difficult to sing when you're with your family. I mean, I'm not with a hundred other people, 200 other, 500 other people. It's just me and my wife, and that's just weird. It's hard for, man, I love what Steve and his group are doing. I love so much the worship team. My wife and I, it's a little weird because my wife and I, we just kind of sit there and watch. And I, I think that what they wish they could have is a bunch of people around them listen to the power of song and the power of community at the same time. I wish I had a whole bunch of people around me where my voice could kind of just get lost in their voices. Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, you know, I just, I, I guess, unless it's a church, I don't do a lot of singing. You know, maybe if I'm in my car and I've got the music turned way up and it's Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, I might kind of break into a lyric, Mama Mia, Mama Mia. But other than that, for the most part, I don't do a lot of singing. And, 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 and it's weird with my kids. Um, I, I know that for some people, it's really, really hard because they don't think they have a good voice. For them, singing literally is about sounding good. And I know a lot of people that get really intimidated by singing out loud because they know they, they, know they have a hard time carrying a tune. But what's interesting about this text and how it really begins to speak into our experience is that when you and I recognize what's happening in Acts chapter 16, we see missionary activity that is happening. We see people confessing their sins and coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We see that as the more this happens, there is a disruption and there is pushback and there is persecution. And we see particularly Paul and Silas now in prison and they're still singing. I think that what I want us to, as we kind of wrap up, how do we apply these different kinds of songs to our lives? How do we know like what and when to sing? I I think it's really good for us, not just as a church, but for us as leaders in our families or even leaders within our communities to recognize that when we are talking about singing, especially if you're in like in Israel or in Jerusalem, the kind of singing that they do is very different than the singing that we do. It, It doesn't need a band. Um, it's not even trying to create some complicated melody with harmonies. It's, it's, It's more of like what I did earlier in the first song that I sang. It's just kind of putting the words of our heart, and as I begin to speak about them, as I begin to reflect on them, and and I guess that's the part I want to look at, it is an expression of the words of our heart. And so not only are there different kinds of song, I would tell you there's different kinds of singing. The first kind of singing that I want us to be aware of, um, to acknowledge, and then to do with our families. Again, it may or may not include a tune, but this singing that we might do is singing that expresses how I am feeling. 
It's interesting that most of us, when we get in certain moods, we literally then go to music to find something that expresses how we feel. And maybe it's just me, okay? And I, I lived at a particular time um, in which, uh, talk about junior high and high school, where I absolutely loved going out and buying the 45. You remember 45s? Like that's, I think that's even before CDs. But I would buy these 45s, and then I would, I would, I would be in a mood, right? I'd be in a mood. Um, my seventh grade girlfriend and I weren't doing very well relationally. And that's, that's a hard, that was a hard thing for me. And I would go back to my house, and I would find a song and I would just put it on and I would listen to it over and over and over again. And it was just how I was feeling. Can, can, can you just, can you, can you work with me? Can you just empathize with this? All by myself, don't want to live all by myself anymore. Oh. And what's weird is that, that, that fee- I still remember. I still remember the, the sound of the, the, the record player. I still remember. And then after it was done, I would listen to it again. And I would, I'd start crying. I wonder if we're ever going to have a real relationship. You know, because seventh grade is complicated. And I would just find myself wanting to, to sing how I feel. And that's a human experience. And it's right. And it's good. I think it's good for us to as we give our thoughts and our reflections and our pains to the Lord in the very real circumstances of our lives, when interruption moves to disruption and we're dealing with pain, to be able to go to the Lord and to be able to sing, whether someone else has written that song or your prayers just start to have a melody of their own. To express honestly, and powerfully, truthfully, what is going on inside my heart. I just feel alone right now, God. I just feel scared right now, God. I just feel hurt right now, God. I just feel angry right now, God. And and to align ourselves, this is why it's so good for us to have like a variety of musics, a variety of songs that aren't just one dimensional. It's why this this songbook that we have can give us such a a depth of a variety of ways of of not just looking at, at God or even into the past, but into our own circumstances as well. Singing songs that express how I'm feeling right now. I wish I knew what, what song Paul and Silas were singing here, but we don't. We don't know. I, I wish I did. I, I, wish, I wish I had the words. I wish I had the tune. I wish Steve could play it for us. I wish that we could sing it together. And then I, I hope that I would learn to even sometimes sing that with my family or even by myself. But I wonder what this song would have been. You ever wonder? I wonder what they were singing. I would say this, that not only is it good to just automatically respond, if I could go back and speak to my seventh grade self, you know what I would have said? Listen, I get it. And now that you've listened to that song, probably not an exaggeration, 15 times in a row, maybe it's time to sing another song. Um, Do you wonder why it just seems like there's just those old favorites, Amazing Grace? And do you wonder sometimes, like, man, I love singing the old songs, or you know what, I love singing new songs. It's interesting. There are those songs that just really express how that we're feeling. But then I think it's good for us to say, I think it'd be good 
to sing another kind of song. And again, I'll, I'll allow the work of the Spirit in your own development and growth and maturity for you to understand that to only express how I'm feeling sometimes just leaves me in a one-dimensional perspective on my circumstances in my life. Like, I really don't know. I don't know if Saul, if, if Paul and Silas were singing, and this isn't fair, I hate being in prison in Philippi, I just wish we could be set free. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be what they're singing. Because the immediate response by those who were listening to them is, what must we do to be saved? Maybe there was some preaching that was involved, but Luke doesn't tell us that. Luke says they were singing... And then the earthquake happens, and then the jailer says, what might I do to be saved? There was something in their song that wasn't just expressing this lament or this retribution. It wasn't just a song of distress. It seems to be deeper and richer and more complicated. It's not just songs that express how I'm feeling. Hopefully, as we all mature in Christ, we're able to sing songs that then shape how I feel. Not just response, but formative, transformative, where all of them singing, the Bible likes to talk about this, like I'm singing a new song. Again, what does the text say? Looking in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 25, the crowd joined in the attack against them. The chief magistrate stripped off their clothes, ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had been severely, after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such orders, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. I mean, you need those verses to get the shock of verse 25. At about midnight, while they're been beaten, while they're still um, dealing with their wounds and with their pain, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. See the close connection there between praying and singing? singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And, and, and that's why I love the fact that as this story ends, the question that is asked is, I heard what you were singing. What can I do to be saved? See, again, there is something really, really powerful, not just being reduced to expressing exactly how I'm feeling right now, reduced to exactly what is happening in me right now. There is a time for that. And then there is a time to sing a new song that is still dealing with the truth of difficult times, but recognizes that God is bigger than that. It is good for Paul and Silas to recognize where they are, but to recognize, not, not just where they are, but to also recognize like God's ultimate plan and purpose for them. Somehow their ability to witness in song was attractive to the Philippian jailer and his life was changed. I would say that this is one of the most powerful expressions, particularly of those in American historical past, those who found themselves under the extreme duress of slavery in the South, those who were in that African-American community who had come to saving faith in Jesus Christ 
in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their, their torment, they were able to sing. One of the greatest aspects that I found great joy in, in even learning how to deal with adversity um, in the civil rights movement in the early 60s, song was a, a very strong part of how to respond to these circumstances that are happening around us. And I would say one of the great differences between so many things that I see in Martin Luther King's struggle and adversity. Um, he, he, he really desired for his quick Christian witness to be seen by all. The, the way that Jesus Christ dealt with adversity shaped how he believed he should deal with adversity, and, and song is a very deep and rich part of that. I guess that's why in Mark chapter 14, verse 26, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and as he is after having this last meal, and he knows it, the last meal with his disciples, and he goes to the garden. Mark records in verse 26, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus is going to weep and to pray and sweat drops of blood. But he was still able to sing. Because even when life is terrible, God is still good. And maybe that's why the Apostle Paul, in the midst of his letter to the Ephesians, really commands and challenges us not to sing as an escape, not to sing in, in some kind of way of not dealing with circumstances, but through song and prayer, through that whole medium that is so, we all know this, it is so powerful. One of the greatest things that we've heard as a church is how much you have enjoyed the opportunity to continue to sing and to worship. Why? Because in the midst of this interruption, in the midst of this aloneness, in the midst of being scared, in the midst of being angry, somehow the depth of our pain can be best expressed but also shaped through singing the truth about who God is. Last thought, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. The Apostle Paul, and this is going to sound strange, but listen to what he says. Paul's instructions to the church, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God, for the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. <laughs> in the middle of this, here's how we should live. Don't be like this. Remember to give thanks. How do we do this? By singing, <laughs> with one another and to one another. Can I just say, I, I think it's pretty important that you and I learn how to sing and that we don't worry about the quality of our voice because that's not what's going to really minister to or encourage or strengthen or challenge people. It is about recognizing that in the midst of our adversity, our interruption to disruption, that you and I have an opportunity to witness, to bear testimony to the greatness and the goodness of God. He is greater than these circumstances. He has more intended for us. Will you, will you hold my hand and let us lament, let us confess our sins, my sins to God? And sometimes when that adversity is too high, 
let us remember how good God is and he is sovereign over these circumstances. And so we sing. And so I pray that you understand the value and the importance of singing and singing well. Because they're listening. Your children are listening. The community that we live in, they're listening and they care more about the content of our songs and the spirit with which we sing them than whether or not we're in tune. We pray that you will learn to sing well, brothers and sisters, singing truthfully, but, but also allowing the songs that you sing to redirect and to shape your circumstances. We love you guys.